Hello and welcome to the Congversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Dustin Jackson. It, was that a voice? Was that a silly voice? Or was that. And I'm Dustin Jackson. Wow. We got a wild show. We got a wild show for you today. Oh, <laughs> uh, are the holidays treating you well or are you just losing your mind? Oh, you know what? Holidays have been about 50-50, Hyle. Yeah. Christmas itself was great. Uh, you know, I got to see family. Yeah. It, it was great. But I was sick the day before. Uh, a stomach bug's been going around. Oh, no. Uh, my whole family. I thought it was food poisoning at first from Jack in the Box, because it immediately hit after I ate Jack in the Box. Yeah. But I think it was just the bug that's been grasping our nation. I was going to say, you might want to watch out for Jack's box, because you'll, <laughs> you, you, you'll get hit <laughs> immediately afterwards. No, I, I'm i glad, because Jack in the Box is actually a sponsor for this episode. So, <laughs> it, it, yeah. yeah, that would have sucked. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, go eat a Jack in the Box. You'll, you'll have violent diarrhea. Yeah, but, you know, if you're into that, if you want to, you know, party, have, go ahead. <laughs> if you want a wet and wild holiday season, go ahead. <laughs> Just ante up to the bar at Jack in the Box. No, I, it's, it's, it's been a weird holiday season for me, too. I, I've been under the weather, and, you know, of course, whenever you feel a bit unwell these days, you immediately think COVID. So, uh, you know, I, I took a COVID test. Right. It was negative. And I didn't get much better, so by the end of the week, I took another COVID test, still negative. So I have some, I had a touch of something. Of course, I also have chronic fatigue, so I never know when my chronic fatigue is the culprit or if I, I've actually contracted some sort of virus. So, right, yeah, it's it's so apologies if you're hearing coughing or uh, nasal drip on this episode. We will do our best <laughs> to keep it in our bodies, but. You know, stuff might stuff might ooze out as it often does here on DK Vines Conversation. <laughs> and that's a conversation promise. <laughs> well, hey, we are getting towards the end of the conversation's tenth season. Can you believe it? So we've got this episode. No. We've got this episode, and we have our annual New Year's forecast episode, which we will be broadcasting live on December 31st. We will be counting down the new year for the UK, the homeland of the DKU, once again. And we will also be giving our thoughts and previews and predictions for 2023, which should be a pretty big year for the DKU. I, I know we like to Hope every year will be a big year for the DKU, but just surface level alone, we're going to have a lot to talk about come April with the Super Mario Brothers movie. So, right, I I think it's going to be jam packed this year ahead. So, what we'll be getting into all of that, it'll be live on our Twitch channel at uh, twitch.tv forward slash dkvine or dkvine.com forward slash twitch. And we'll we'll be starting probably around uh, 
um, 5.40 p.m. Eastern Time, 2.40 p.m. Pacific Time, I, I, I don't know, 10.40 p.m. <laughs> GMT, <laughs> roughly. I will be announcing this uh, when we're doing it, and you can tune in live on Twitch, or you can listen to the episode later on all of the usual podcast listening avenues of your choice wherever you listen to the conversation normally so that uh that will be our season finale but we got to get through this episode first our third (laughs) dku tribunal special session of the season and i promised early on we we would be doing these and here we are with the final one where we will be getting into cameo elements of power so yeah well I'll, I'll table everything that needs to be said about this when we're actually launching into it. But yeah, this, this is one that has been demanded of us uh, to reopen it for litigation, for trial, to determine whether or not it is actually part of the DKU or not. Because, you know, since it's come out, we've weighed on the side of no. Uh, no, it's not part right. of the DKU. But... As we've seen earlier this season, sometimes, you know, those earlier rulings can be overruled if more evidence comes to light. And sometimes that evidence comes from things that we didn't know before, or sometimes it comes from circumstances that change, new things that open up and uh, allowing us to view things in a different light. So we'll get into why we're relitigating Cameo, but... First of all, I do want to plug really quickly DK Vines Mastodon account. Yeah, DK Vines on Mastodon. DK Vines on Mastodon. I didn't think through this song. <laughs> and you can download that MP3 off. Uh, you, you find the link on our Mastodon. <laughs> no, no, no. But yes, if you go to uh, Mastodon and you search for DK Vine, or you, you can, I guess, type in Mastodon sdf.org forward slash at dkvine it's not 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 very intuitive this mastodon but uh it, it is a somewhat reliable twitter alternative and so if you want to see dkvine's tweets but you don't want to go to twitter anymore check us out on mastodon hey we're also on hive hive as well but that's only available through the mobile app so you can't browse you know on a on a desktop or on a browser you have you have to actually download the app so it's a little bit less user-friendly but we're also on hive get the same content across all three platforms with twitter of course you know we're also on facebook and instagram so dk vine on social media check it out Mm. those are great names too mastodon and hive both of those could tie into the dku Uh, yeah i've i've already made those jokes dustin when I when I launched the Mastodon account, it was a picture of a snowhorn from off of Star Fox good, Adventures. Good. When I launched our Hive account, it was a picture of Hive Russell from off of Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, I keep it on brand. Hey, Dustin, speaking of the holidays and speaking of plugging things, I just want to give you a special thanks for doing this year's DK Vine holiday card. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was magnificent. I I loved it. It can be viewed right now on our website, dkvine.com. 
patrons also be checking your mailboxes you should have already received or should be receiving depending on your location around this globe a physical copy of your own card so anyway yeah dustin uh thank you it, it it's wonderful it might be in the running for my favorite dk vine holiday card we've been doing this for 10 years now just like the conversation we've had an annual dk vine holiday card because we are so inspired by rares classic holiday cards you know they they would do one every year and it was always just fun to see characters and concepts in that holiday light and they they stopped doing them reliably, or I should say, I don't think they ever stopped doing them. They stopped releasing them to the public. Uh, right. And so around 2013, around sort of the darkest ebbs of, you know, the uncertainty for Rare's future and before Platonic was a thing, we were like, hey, we should just carry this torch and we should do our own holiday cards. And then since 2016, we've been mailing them out as well. So anyway, yeah, Dustin, uh, what, what's your favorite bit off of your holiday card? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, oh, man, that's tough. I feel like all of them are my little children, my little babies. Yeah. Um, it's a small detail. Very small, but it was very last minute, and I was pretty happy with it. Um, near the end, I was kind of struggling to figure out what food to get on the plates on the tables. Mm. Um, but then at the end of the day, I put one of the little cheeses from Conquer on the plate of Karate Kong. <laughs> and that's, obviously, that's the food you would gravitate towards. Yeah. That's such a, that's just such a mismatched pair. Yeah. But I like a lot of the other stuff, like, uh, being able to draw beebs was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, you had the idea for Xanonab's uh, spaceship in the back, which was awesome. That's a great idea. I'll be honest, I think this is probably my favorite one I've done, at least. I feel like, um, I feel like past DK Vine holiday cards that I've done, I kind of look back on, and I'm like, eh, it, it's okay. I, I feel like I probably could have done better. Um, but this one, I look at, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm very proud of how this one came out. I'll tell you my favorite detail. I mean, I, I like all the details in this card, but this is just such a only on DK Vine sort of touch where we have, uh, or I should say you have, Bachelor Bear from the Game Boy Advance remake of Donkey Kong Country 3 openly flirting with Viva Pinata's Fanny Franker. Yeah, that was a fun one. Which, if, for, for those who don't know, she is the character with a mailbox over her head. Yeah, I was kind of struggling to pick a Viva Pinata character. I wanted to give Viva Pinata a little bit of spotlight since I feel like it's uh, one of the DKU games that doesn't really get to be in the spotlight very often. Sure. Um, and originally it was just going to be Leafos, but I thought, no, what if I went weirder? What if we went with the mailbox head? <laughs> well, it was apropos because this is a holiday card, and where do you get yeah. holiday cards? Your mailbox. So exactly, I really enjoyed it. it it's all-encompassing, this card. It really covers every corner of the DKU. I think the only thing that's arguably untouched is uh, retro's donkey kong country duology but we've got a little bit of pay on in there uh, obviously the rare era and then every corner of the dku from uh, banjo kazooie to ukulele gets a little little nod in there somewhere wanted to say something about that sure. about uh, not referencing the retro games at once the card was finished and put out i came up with a last minute bullshit uh excuse that i pulled out my ass 
Um, so in the card, I have Rabid Cranky just eating mushed up bananas. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he's an old man. He can't, it, it just seems like something he would shove in his maw. <laughs> but what if that mushed up banana was from Donkey Kong Country Returns where the tiki's are crushing the bananas, huh? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it, it dribbled off of a uh, tiki tong. <laughs> yeah. And he said, mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. You heard it. That's word of God right there. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway. DK Vine exclusive. Be sure to follow Dustin's art. Uh, what's what's the best way to follow your art? Your Just just, just your art, Dustin. Like, every, not, not necessarily related to DK Vine, but just Dustin's art in general. So I actually haven't made the leap from Twitter yet just because I'm lazy. Uh, <laughs> I probably will in the new year. But um, Dustin Doodles on Twitter is a place where you can just find everything i post um if that's what you're so into if you want to do that if you uh are not a big twitter person right now which is understandable um you can go to instagram where i am the underscore flying underscore dustman. get it like the flying dust dutchman oh i didn't get that i just thought like you needed a bath yeah, I feel like jokes are better once they've been thoroughly explained. <laughs> well, anyway, it, 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 it was a lovely holiday card. It honestly is the most stressful part of the season for me is because you, you or, or Cameron or whomever always does the art, right? Like we, we usually break it down right. as a staff. We, we spit all ideas, but ultimately the... The artist is the one responsible for pulling it all together, and they have final editorial oversight on it. And then we uh, we order them to be manufactured, and then I personally address them and get them out. It, it's a touch. I read Barack Obama did that in the White House. He, he personally addressed all of his holiday cars, and I was like, well, if the president can do it, I can do it. So <laughs> Move over, <laughs> Mr. President. So, yeah... That's all well and good, but ultimately I'm getting out something like 75 holiday cards altogether, uh, you know, hand signing all of them, addressing them, getting them out, getting them to the mailbox. And so it, it, it is stressful. But once I get that done, it feels really good. I feel like I've done something this holiday season, like worthy of the title holiday season. Like, OK, I did my yeah. part. I got out 75 cards around the world uh on like across five continents so yeah i don't have to do anything now (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh sorry mom and dad i didn't get you anything (laughs) sorry all those cards ain't gonna sign themselves yeah Uh, so i do i do have a little bit of a cramp in my hand still but that will pass come january don't worry we'll smooch it (laughs) all right here we go dustin (laughs) <laughs> so, cameo, elements of power. Now, in the first two DKU Tribunal special sessions this season, we looked at, well, first, a game that has long been screaming, just shrieking, to be part of the DKU, but wasn't because of some, honestly, in retrospect, very arbitrary hang-ups, but at the time they seemed logical and all it took to uh, to get Saberwolf GBA into the DKU was for the MCU to catch up to the DKU. 
in concepts and us to view Saberwolf in a new light. And we also looked at a game with a plausible character cameo, but no word of God to confirm it. For example, when Lee Loveday confirmed that the goldfish in Viva Pinata was Royston, it cleared it for us. We didn't have to worry about it anymore. But, uh, you know, for Killer Instinct 2013, we had no word of God that the backpack that Rash the Battletoad could wear was, in fact, the Lord of Games. And all we really needed there was a grace period. Uh, a period of cooling down where we knew we could say for sure that no word of God was ever coming on the subject. And then from there, we could just use logic to say, well, obviously that's log. Yeah, sometimes you got to make the call yourself. Yeah, so with the third and final special session this season, we have an even more outrageous edge case than those games. Because I feel like Saberwolf is the most obvious one, just ready to be included. Killer Instinct 2013 made me less obvious, but just more open and shut. Like, well, look, that, that looks like the Lord of Games. We know the Lord of Games disguises himself in video games as characters and objects. He said he did as much in Nuts and Bolts. Why couldn't that be the Lord of Games, knowing what we know through in-universe context? Uh, But this game that we're discussing has never had any real deep ties to the Donkey Kong universe as we know it, other than being a rare game. And and a rare game with kind of a cartoon event. So, uh, it's always been a, oh, that would have been nice, but nothing really more than that, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, Cameo, Elements of Power, thus far, is the only rare IP that's debuted since the year 2000 that's never become intertwined with the DKU. Wow. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy when you think about it because you think, oh, there's a bunch of rare franchises that aren't a part of the DKU. But... Since the year 2000, even games like Connect Sports have eventually gotten there. Or rather, Connect Sports Season 2 and Connect Sports Rivals. So, you know, Cameo has always sort of shared, in my mind, that same space that Jet Force Gemini inhabits. Where it's a game that's announced, and you think it could plausibly be part of the DKU. So you study it, you know, you pour over screenshots and videos before release, hoping that you'll stumble across something. You hope there's going to be something in there to certify it. And then there's really nothing. There's no character appearances. There's nothing substantial, at least. Nothing like tipped up showing up and just being like, (laughs) you know, boy, howdy, I sure do plum love fucking uh, like like Tip Top does in Banjo Tooie, you know, and you know, because remember, DK Vine's understanding of the DKU and granting admittance to it 
has stricter rules than most shared universes and especially most fan-driven shared universes. And I feel like I need to explain this. I know a lot of you who listen to the conversation on a regular basis, you know all this by heart. But there's always going to be somebody who has discovered the conversation for the first time over the holidays. We always get new listeners over the holidays. People are looking for something to listen to while staying at family or just because they have a lot of downtime on their hands for those who work, you know, uh, nine to five jobs who get two weeks off every December, you know, they're like, I, I I, want something new. And they might say, you know, hey, are there any Donkey Kong podcasts? And then they find this and then they're like, wait, <laughs> why are they talking about cameo elements of power? So the DKU is ostensibly the rare shared universe. It is the shared universe of rare games. But it wasn't really built as a thing by Rare until Diddy Kong Racing explicitly made it so. And Diddy Kong Racing debuted Banjo and Conker within the context of being friends of Diddy Kong, who Diddy met on past unseen adventures with Donkey Kong. And, you know, that preemptively made Banjo, Kazooie, and Conker Diddy Kong Racing spinoffs, ergo Donkey Kong spinoffs. And so the DKU, as we call it, because it it all stems from Donkey Kong, as a running concept, it starts with Donkey Kong Country, the game that gave birth to modern Rare, kicked off that era of Rare that really defined what Rare is to not only the fans, but I would argue people who work there too. I mean, yes, they had success before Donkey Kong Country, but Donkey Kong Country was really what made them a household name among gamers and um anyway so rare only ever provided loose recognition of the shared universe and and they would do it through various means but you know it wasn't planned out They, they didn't have a kevin feige like architect working you know behind the scenes to make sure everything was consistent it's like okay well we're gonna use this game to introduce this character they could have gone down that route after diddy kong racing proved so fruitful and successful and hooked so many people like us into this concept. But the closest they had was Lee Loveday, I I would argue, because Lee Loveday did do his best to make it all work, especially on the Rare website, the classic Rare website. I remember, you know, for for the Conquer section, for what was 12 Tales, Conquer 64, and Conquer's Pocket Tales, that little section, that little hub of the website... You know, he ha- had right there in Conker's bio uh, that he was Diddy's good friend, you know. So it, it was it yeah. was just kind of baked in there by Lee. But it, it wasn't something that, like, the teams were coordinating or anything. Or even the stampers, for that matter. Um, so because Rare only ever gave it that loose recognition... And then the buyout literally split the shared universe in two between Rare and Nintendo... We have to be very judicious when following these threads. And us being so judicious pisses people off. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny because uh, Gibbon, she's always throwing this in my face. She says, Heil, you make the rules. Just say it's DKU. And I'm like, I follow the rules. I don't make the rules, okay? I, I, <laughs> the rules guide me, but I can't defy the rules. 
Right. You can't just say, yeah. like, you can't just say, oh, Jet Force Gemini. Yep. DKU. We, we can eventually get there if new evidence or an evolution of thought takes us there, but it has to be a natural process. It has to be inherently true. We can't just say Jet Force Gemini is DKU because I want it to be DKU and then it's DKU. Yeah. There, there has to be a concept to this. And I take this very seriously. Like the integrity of DK Vine really rests upon this very, very strict adherence to the rules. Rules, of course, spelled as uh, King K rule, R-O-O-L-S. So, you know, people also get pissed off at me now, though, when I say it's all within the same shared universe. So I can never win. You know, either I'm going too far or I'm never going far enough. Yeah, it's weird since uh, this is all just for fun anyway. It, it's weird whenever I see people on Twitter being like, nope, mm-mm, no, Donkey Kong and Banjo are not in the same universe. You lose. Right. When it, it, It's like, well, that, that's fine. We can say it. Who cares? <laughs> it's, it's just a for fun thing. I really think if Diddy Kong Racing ever becomes available again on NSO plus expansion pack, we will have a lot more new uh, devotees to our way of thinking. I, I think right. the biggest problem is Diddy Kong Racing has been in legal limbo for two decades. And mm-hmm. there, there just aren't enough people who are truly exposed to how Diddy Kong Racing presented it. They view Diddy Kong Racing as a crossover rather than the way Diddy Kong Racing was in the, in the original light of its release where, hey, here's this new character, Banjo. Hey, who's this? Here's this new character, Conquer. Why? They would be fun to follow on their own adventures, wouldn't you say? Yeah, exactly. If you look at, like, the way crossovers are handled, like, nowadays, like, people aren't going, oh, yeah, uh, Shovel Knight and Battletoads, those are the same universe. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of colors people's uh, opinions a bit. But it's right there in the in the character bios. It it's not a It's not a, whoa, universe is crossing over. It's contextually it's saying that no these characters are friends in the same universe yeah contextually it was that it it wasn't even that you know hey isn't it quirky that we're using these two characters who don't even have their games out yet it was here's this new uh donkey kong character banjo here's this new donkey kong character conquer yeah and 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 they really were brought up through that connection and yeah it, it was all retroactive developmental wise but the way Rare presented it, it it looked seamless. It looked like it was, you know, part of a plan. Yeah. Anyway, we have to be very strict when it comes to all of this. And our rule of thumb is that mere references to things do not count as, as being DKU. And this is where a lot of fans, I think, would part with us. A lot of the, the fans of younger shared universes who, for, for them, like, references, you know, that, that's all you really need is, oh... Oh, th- this reference that a character or an institution or something exists in this universe as well. That's enough for me. They exist in the same world. But for us, the only thing that gets it over that finish line is a physical character appearance. Um, what makes a right. game series natively DKU? As in, a you know... Every character in that game is therefore granted native DKU status, and then they can make other games DKU. It's when a physical character appears in the first entry of that series. 
And it, it all goes back to Banjo and Conker, really. That was the template for how it worked. And, um, you know, it, it, it's grown and it's, it's evolved over time. Grabbed by the Ghoulies was DKU because Royston the Goldfish from off of Banjo-Kazooie appeared in it, just in a minor background <laughs> cameo, right? Little little Easter egg. But it was still physically Royston. He was swimming around. And that started the running joke of Royston just appearing in games and giving them status, DKU status. I mean, it got to the point where we started, you know, m- making um, light of it so much that developers would just do it. To, to make it part of the DKU. Um, an example of that is in uh, Connect Sports Season 2. You know, uh, Royston appears in it. And there's the legally dubious, but still with uh, authorial intent of ukulele. And even Ed Bryan's Goldilocks and Little Bear's storybook app from Nosy Crow. Um, yeah. So... This actually ties into, like, one of my only DKU hangups. Yeah. Um, so normally I'm totally on board with all this, but the one exception is um, Viva Piñata, which yeah. is DKU anyway, uh, but wasn't the reasoning that uh, the goldfish in uh, Petula's fishbowl was said to be Royston? Yes. So that, was, that actually came via Word of God by Lee yeah. Loveday. And th- there's this big argument about Viva Pinata being DKU or not, because it's, it likes Saberwolf GBA, just a game that was screaming to be DKU, but we couldn't find any physical character appearances to really put it over that finish line. And for the longest time, we thought maybe, not the longest time, but in a relative terms to this debate, the longest time it was Mr. Ribs who appeared as, as, in, um, as, as part of a, a house in Viva Pinata. And yeah. we were like, is that actually Mr. Ribs? And Lee Loveday said, no, that's just uh, decor made to look like Mr. Ribs. And we were like, damn it! <laughs> damn it! <laughs> and then uh, somebody came back with the goldfish, and Lee said, actually, yes, it is Royston. And you might be wondering, Dustin, well, it's clearly an unused pinata goldfish, and it it's not supposed to be just a regular organic flesh and blood goldfish like uh, Royston is. How could that be Royston? And the answer is he's disguised as a pinata. Uh, right, right. He's um he's incognito, probably because you know the nightmare that is his existence, always getting cooked and prepared by Banjo's friends. And then, you know, he gets swiped by Baron Von Ghoul and put in a haunted mansion. And so he's, you know, trying out a thing for a time where he's disguising himself as a piñata on Piñata Island. Yeah, and, and that's awesome. That's great. I That I have no issues with. Uh, awesome. However, where the issue comes up for me is there's such a, a much easier way to say it's the same world, same universe but it doesn't have that physical character because in one of the item descriptions, it just straight up says, oh yeah, Kazooie came over from uh, the Ilo Hags and sold Bottles Goggles here. She stole Bottles Goggles and is and now they're being sold on Pinata Island. And to me, that seemed like a no-brainer. Like, okay, well, that just straight up confirms they're in the same world. But due to DK Vine's rules... 
it, it don't count. It has to be a physical character. That's the only time where I've been like, mm, I don't know about that. Well, here's why we have to be so strict about that, Dustin. A, a good example uh, that, that keeps it in-house is, you know, Donkey Kong Country 3, you, you have this uh, moment where Bizarre Bear it can, is, is talking to Dixie or Kitty, and he, mm-hmm. he'll mention meeting Link from Link's Awakening. And he says mm. Link was in there last week and uh, was asking about the castle. And uh, eventually, they ne- he didn't have any bear coins, but he they, they negotiated an exchange rate for rupees and uh, spent 500 rupees, uh, which, which right. yeah, says to me that inflation in Hyrule is just through the roof. But, you know, you could make the argument then, oh, well, clearly Donkey Kong Country 3 is uh, part of the Zelda universe. But, but <laughs> nobody would do that, even though Bizarre Bear is saying Link was in this shop last week. You know, so yeah, I, I <laughs> that's see. True. I see that's what you're, true. I see what you're saying, and I, and you know, I I can see why why it wouldn't fly. You gotta you gotta draw some lines in the sand. Yeah, and, and you know, once we get that physical character appearance in there, then lines like Kazooie visiting the Isle of Hags, or you know, Captain Black Eye, or Baron Von Ghoul, or Mister Pants. That's all really bolstered. But you got to get that physical character appearance in there to really solidify that. Hey, yes, this is tangibly uh dku because royston the goldfish is in it and he first appeared in banjo kazooie with the character right. banjo who first appeared in diddy kong racing i totally forgot about that zelda thing you're so right Kyle. <laughs> yeah you always are i mean i live and breathe this this isn't just a, a passing fancy for me i i've i've been a strict student of this nonsense for a quarter century now. So I'm just picturing Heil as like a, one of those uh, very strict buttoned up uh, librarians. Yeah. Like, uh, like a uh, blunder bear. Yeah. Got, there, there's a DKU character. Got a stupid little spinning bow tie. <laughs> or to, to keep it within the context of uh, tribunal games. We, we discussed this season, Connie Ann. From off of Saber Wolf. Oh, what? What's? Uh, tell me about Connie Ann. It's been a while. She was. She's the librarian. Right, right. But I, I guess I mean, like, in what context is she being brought up right now? You mentioned librarians. Oh, you're so right. <laughs> I thought you were. Ta- I thought you were saying like she had a cameo in another game or something. No, no. Yeah, actually, yeah. Let's just cut to the chase. I found Connie Ann in cameo. It's DK. <laughs> no, no, Perfect. I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh no, I broke Dustin. I broke Dustin. Uh, episode over. <laughs> uh, Dustin, I'm I'm worried about you. I feel like uh, I, f- I feel like you're on death's door. I would hate for this to be your final conversation. Every time a game has made DKU, more life has siphoned out of me. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I take it back. Killer Instinct 2013. <laughs> it's not DKU. Saberwolf GBA. Not DKU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Bring- <laughs> Apologies, everyone. I'm so sorry. It brings me so much joy, but I really feel it afterwards. Oh no! Oh, what are we doing here? This whole time, I thought we were enriching the world, and really, we were just taking life from my friend Dustin. Oh, don't worry. It's fine. I'll get more somehow. (laughs) 
by the way, it should be pointed out because you did bring up, you know, the characters physically visiting Pinata Island. It should be pointed out right. that most of the DKU does take place within this fictional island chain that we dub the Rare Archipelago, or at least it takes place near the Rare Archipelago. The Donkey Kong series, Banjo Kazooie, Conquer, Saber Wolf, Viva Pinata, Connect Sports Rivals, and arguably Ukulele all exist within this wide-spanning archipelago. While games That's crazy. Yeah, while games like Grab by the Ghoulies, It's Mr. Pants, and Sea of Thieves take place outside of its boundaries, but are still accessible because characters from all three games have been confirmed or suggested to have visited the archipelago right and then you have uh, star fox adventures which obviously takes place in the lilat system but it does provide us an ancient astronaut like explanation for the dinosaurs that do live in the rare archipelago and you know a game explicitly not set in the rare archipelago um has no bearing on it being dku uh, I, I just want to make that clear because a lot of people really get hung up on the shared universe being a place, you know, and, and it's like, oh, you know, okay, so it has to take place in the Rare Archipelago? Well, no, no. Uh, a game doesn't even have to take place in the same physical dimension for it to be DKU, right? Right. And it's, it, it's just a matter of characters and linking back to the origin point, which eventually takes us to Donkey Kong Country. All right. Well, now that we got all of that out of the way, (laughs) why don't we go ahead and play a couple of calls that we got? Uh, I announced we were doing this last night, and a couple people called in, wanted to talk about Cameo. So, you know, we're not going to let the calls influence our decision one way or another, but I thought it would be nice to hear what people are thinking, because Cameo is a game we don't talk about here in the conversation. It's only come up in passing. So I feel like this really affords some of our listeners who are into Cameo the chance to, uh, to blab about it. So why don't we let them do that? And Dustin, you can suck on a lozenge while we, uh, we, we take this first call. Everybody wins. Hey, Heil and uh, guest. This is Frieza, who is a very rare commenter on the DK Vine forums, but always there on every single piece of social media, just to get a word in. I've been waiting years for you to actually discuss Cameo, even though it's a game I really have no strong feelings about, but it just feels like the kind of thing that should be part of a shared universe, and I hope you backpedal into and including it. Same with Jet Force Gemini, but that's a topic for, like, Season 33 or something, when you kind of run out of ways to talk about the same five games over and over. I just want to say that while Cameo, to me, is a pretty forgettable and underwhelming game, it is one that I have a lot of attachment to. It was the first ever HD game I played, and it was when I really learned who Rare were. I played all the Rare games growing up, on the SNES and 64, and even Star Fox Adventures, but I didn't know they were made by the same company. But when I played Cameo, my older brother, who probably sounded like most of the DK Vine farms back then, complained that this wasn't the real Rare, how all the good people left Rare ages ago, and this is just the shallow, hollow remnants of the company it used to be. So yeah, uh, even though I'm not as annoying as my brother, I hope, um, I still do think of this as a kind of forgettable game, 
but it is also sentimental to me because of how I learned who Rare were and that they made all these games I I already loved. I just didn't know they were tied together. So, yeah, I've been waiting a while for you to discuss this. This game is obviously DKU. Do not screw this up, Hyle, please. Oh, my God. I So much pressure. Oh, man, you better not screw this up. I feel like that would be a grounds for a mistrial right there. Just, <laughs> you're, you're just, you're, you're just uh, intimidating the jury there. Uh, no, thank you for the call, Freezer. I, 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 I think we're going to give it a fair hearing here. Um, yeah. In the process of researching this episode, because I don't just do these willy-nilly. I, I don't just jump in there and be like, I was talking about Cameo. All right. Well, I'm sorry. She's a fairy or something, right? She flitters around. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see Royston in this. This is not DKU. She's got, like, magic or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know why you sound so sinister when you do that voice, Dustin. <laughs> she got, like, that magic. Oh no! Uh, well, we're 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 gonna give it a fair hearing because you know ultimately I would love it if it was DKU, but I I also have to adhere to our findings, and I I can't you know put my thumb on the scale of justice one way or another. Yeah, right. Kyle, um, <laughs> I I have faith in you to be a fair judge. All right, all right. Thank you, Dustin. Uh, you as well. I, I think you're also of sound legal mind. <laughs> That's what I tell myself. Yeah. All right. Well, we have another call, and this is one of those uh, double whammies here because they called in. They didn't get all their thoughts in on the first go around, so they called back a second time. So. Uh, here we go. We're going to play these back-to-back and get the full effect here. Uh, you, you can suck on two lozenges for this one, Dustin. And hopefully that oh, will, my favorite. Yeah, hopefully that will uh, soothe your aching jack-of-the-box adult throat. Although I guess it wasn't jack-in-the-box. That's right. We, we shouldn't disparage. <laughs> it was misplaced blame. I'm sorry, jack-in-the-box. Hello, conversation. This is Brian Huss the webmaster of the Super Mario Brothers The Movie Archive website, but I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about, as you know, cameo, elements of power. Um, First-time caller, long-time, long, long-time Rare fan and Kong DK Vine uh, specifically uh, purveyor here. Um, gosh, I'm sure I, po- I post on the forums many, many years ago. Got into Rare, of course, around the Banjo-Kazooie era, and never looked back. So what do I remember about cameo elements of power? Well, I am interrupted by a dog. So sorry, listeners. So sorry, so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have to be clever with the editing there. But, um, yeah, I followed the game a long time. It felt like forever. Uh, waiting for cameo elements of power, being that it was, you know, started development on the N64 and went through the GameCube and the Xbox and the Xbox 360. Um, and it was all wrapped around the, the rare buyout era. I felt really, I felt fine. You know, it felt weird when rare went to, to Microsoft, but, you know, I was around the age then, uh, the, 
the high school type of age where um, I was totally fine with that because I was just going to follow Rare wherever they went, and I was going to get whatever console they were <laughs> making games for. And um, I, so I was thrilled. It felt like, you know, a- after feeling a little lukewarm, of course, grabbed by the ghoulies, I never I bought it, but it never beat it. Um, I was super excited that the Xbox 360 was launching with two rare games, launching with Cameo, Elements of Power, and Perfect Dark Zero. It felt like, oh, man, this is a return to the rare I want. This is going to be like two genre, you know, console launching rare titles. This is excellent. This is what I want. Um, so I vividly remember waiting at Walmart, sitting in line for, I believe, a day and a half when the Xbox 360 launched. And it was back in the day where you, that's how you, that was the only way to get a console back then. You didn't have lotteries. You didn't have, you know, Sony Direct lines. You had to go to Walmart and sit down for a day and a half. So I happily did that. (laughs) And, um, I got that Xbox 360. I, I had a TV that had an HDMI port. It felt so crazy. That hey, it's Ryan Huff again. I, brevity is the key, I suppose, in trying to, to get the, the messages through. So here we go. Uh, so got the Xbox 360, Perfect Dark Zero, and Cameo on launch day. Cameo is definitely the game that I have the, the most fond memories about. Uh, I never did complete Perfect Dark Zero. Uh, I actually couldn't get past the first two stages, I, I think. <laughs> but um, Cameo, I've been looking forward to ever since it was first announced, and so it was a long time coming. It, it felt similar to uh, Star Fox Adventures in terms of tracking the development of it for so long through through the Internet and finally getting this game to finally see, like, what what came out of this long development. Um. And I remember at the time just really just feeling super blown away by it. I thought it looked amazing. It was like the the first HD game I had ever played. Ooh, normal maps. What is that? Like, that's when I first started to even know what a, you know, some of these graphics terms even meant. Um, But uh, I remember being, the visuals stick out, the, the, the sections where you're on the horse and driving through all these, you know, it felt like swarms of, of, of enemies at the time. Like, how are they doing this? This looks technologically amazing. Wow, like, this is the wave of the future here. Um, so I remember playing the heck out of it when it first came out and beat it and have really fond memories of that time, but I have never revisited the game. And, you know, it's not something like Star Fox Adventures where I will play it every two to three years. Um so I'm curious to see, like, I'm, I, I, now that it's on Rare Replay and I've got the Series X, uh, I'm hoping that I can return to it at some point, maybe listen to some of the Chris Alcott developer commentaries. But um very curious to see what you all on the conversation are saying about the game, because I'm sure revisiting it, I, I, I feel like it's going to hold up fairly well, if not feel a little shallow compared to some of other Rare's other um, mainstays. So thanks for doing the podcast. Well, thank you for the calls. 
Ryan, and hey, the Super Mario Brothers Movie Archive. It can be found at smbmovie.com. Of course, referring to the original live-action 1993 cyberpunk fantasy Super Mario Brothers. The the internet's a small place, is it not? Just uh, here we are talking about cameo elements of power. And we get Ryan from off of the uh, Super Mario Brothers, the movie archive calling in. What are the odds? You just, you just don't expect, uh, you know, we're not talking about Mario today. We're not we're not in that wavelength, but uh, he's got some thoughts on Cameo. Why not? Right. Heil, do you mind if I'm, I'm like mean for um, a second? Not to our caller, of course, but um, I feel very bad for... Anyone who waited in line for a day and a half to, and got Perfect Dark Zero. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was thinking about my own experience because, you know, I still don't have an Xbox Series X. I don't know when I'm going to be able to get one. But back mm-hmm. in the day, I got an Xbox 360 on launch. And part of that was, oh, you know, we have rare games at launch. I want to support rare. I'm going to go all in on the 360. It's going to be my my console of choice. And, of course, it ended up, you know, red ringing twice uh, until I got the newer <laughs> model late in its life. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember going to GameStop uh, for its midnight release. And I, w- I was, like, the only person there with, the, you know, rare games. I, every, Yeah, yeah. And I just, I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, because I, I really enjoyed Cameo, but, boy... I was going through Rare Replay trying to get all those stamps, uh, and I did. I was victorious in that goal, but man, Perfect Dark Zero really puts a bitter taste in your mouth when you have to play it for the achievements. It's more like Perfect Dark Zero calories. It doesn't have any That's taste. That's so right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I, I think even people at Rare would say, yeah, not not uh, not the strongest effort, Perfect Dark Zero. Um, yeah, I don't blame anyone involved. Just sometimes things just happen. Yeah. Cameo, I mean, say what you will about Cameo. I think it looks gorgeous. I, I love yeah. the art direction. I love the style. I love the music, the sound. I mean, it, it's got a, a nice aesthetic to it that um that feels very much of 2005 but it it still has that rare polish to it that makes a game like star fox adventures stand out to this day we're like oh that that looks pretty cool i really like the the cartoony realism of it all yeah totally agreed um i really do associate cameo with the 360 uh mainly because it's a game on there but like When it first came out, it was the game in, like, all of the demo kiosks I saw. Uh And I was just like, oh, I get to... Like, I couldn't afford a 360. I can't buy one to support Rare as much as I want to. So it was nice just being able to play Cameo when I could. Yeah, it's weird how I'm more poor now than I was back then. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just because uh, I'm a Donkey Kong journalist now, but... Yeah, yeah. As <laughs> mentioned, Cameo is the only r- new rare IP to launch post 2000 to not be part of the DKU, at least thus far, in any shape or form. Actually, since 
Diddy Kong Racing in 1997. For the past 25 years, there have only been three new rare IPs that have somehow escaped the DKU's reach. And that's Jet Force Gemini, Perfect Dark, and Cameo Elements of Power. You can make a a case for a fourth in uh, Rare's Mickey Mouse (laughs) series, Mickey (laughs) Speedway USA or whatever. But if we don't include that, then it's just three. And again, that doesn't mean that characters from those games don't necessarily exist in the same world. Or that you can't have crossovers between them. Because indeed, Joanna Dark did make an appearance of sorts in Connect Sports Rivals alongside Mumbo Jumbo, sort of. And Juno, Vela, Joanna, and Cameo were on the rare limited team, along with Banjo, Kazooie, Conker, Saberman, Rash, and a Fudgehog in hashtag IDARB. IDARP. So, you know, it, it just doesn't make them natively DKU, part of the same ever-expanding web of games that began with Donkey Kong Country. And as a side right. note, because this is all very confusing, and I, I recognize how confusing it is, you need a law degree for real to understand half the <laughs> shit. Remember that Saberman and the Battletoads, along with Sir Arthur Pendragon, who appears in Sea of Thieves, predate the DKU and predate Rare playing around with the concept of a shared universe. The whole reason Saberwolf GBA got in earlier this year was through the logic of taking a pre-existing character and re-debuting them within the context of the shared universe. Saberman was reinvented in a very similar fashion to the Kongs being reinvented in Donkey Kong Country. You take a character and you make a new form of that character as the DKU version of the character while still loosely acknowledging their past history that predates that. So right. anyway, I, I, I just want to be clear there. So yeah, as as, as uh, Ryan said, Cameo was part of that early GameCube rare vintage alongside games like Star Fox Adventures, Grab by the Ghoulies, and Donkey Kong Racing. Um, we knew the name Cameo before we knew any context about what it was going to be. And so, of course, at DK Vine, very early DK Vine, we thought Cameo uh, you know, it inferred this amazing game that mashed up numerous rare characters and properties together. You know, Cameo, oh, who's going to Cameo and Cameo? It could be anyone. Fun conversation fact, Dustin. Hashtag IDARB is a cameo cameo game. Oh, no way. You d- you came up with that all by yourself, Hyle Russell? A cameo cameo game? <laughs> a cameo cameo game. So early on, uh, up until release, there was always this sense that cameo, it, it, it could very well belong to the DKU, even if there was no evidence it would have any actual character appearances. You know, I, I, we were all watching it. Uh, up until release, you know, like we play this game with with so many um, so many rare titles, and you know, even even Platonic Friends titles like Little Gator Game, uh, which just saw release. Um, we we were keeping an eye on that because it was like you know Little Gator Game that looks like it would be perfect for the DKU. 
we we have to see if there's going to be any character appearances and so far we have found zero in the little gator game unfortunately unfortunately because the little gator game is just uh so charming and wholesome and i love it so much but Right. Um, yeah. I understand them wanting it to be its own thing, but uh, sure would have done us some favors. Yeah, right? Like, I, what I like is when there's a, a wide tapestry of the DKU, and I love that you could have a game like a little gator game on one side and Conker's Bad Fur Day on the other. It's, it's, <laughs> just, it's just wonderful. But, yeah, you know, part of the problem of, of a game like Cameo Elements of Power is that there is this remote fantasy realm setting which sort of, you know, takes a lot of the possibility of character appearances off the table, just inherently right. makes it hard for anybody to appear. So we're not really going to be getting into the nitty gritty of cameo, the lore, the characters, the gameplay, what we we're, we're looking at it just from strictly DKU context. But I feel like we need to understand base level. So yeah. Why don't we read the actual story from the Cameo Instruction Manual, which I feel like will help at least get people up to speed on what Cameo is and where it takes place. And and then maybe we could see how that could possibly relate to the DKU. That's a good idea. Is one of us going to read it out loud or should we all just kind of read silently at our desks? Considering this is an audio podcast, I feel feel like it would be doing everybody but us a disservice if we read it silently so because you are having difficulties right now in the throat department i will volunteer to read it dustin heil you're a lamb you are a savior (laughs) well all right well just stick me in the major then uh here we go uh now i love that it's called the story so far uh because the story so far i believe was what they used on rare's website back in the day yeah for any game story because that's what we shamelessly used on dk vine as well i was wondering why it sounded so familiar yes story so far ssf uh here we go trolls as everyone knows are nothing but trouble long ago so the tribal elders say they were welcome inside elfin borders But while other tribes respected the leadership of King Salon and his elves, the trolls decided that there was more to be said for sheer physical size and aggression than wisdom and magical trickery. And so it was that Thorn, by far the strongest of his generation, rose quickly through the troll ranks to become their own king. Nobody suspected that behind Thorn's impressive size was a mind to match, and he took advantage of this blindness to begin conquering the other tribes. Perhaps King Salon could have seen what was happening, but as fate would have it, he was away on the traditional quest of the elfin royal line, the search for the elemental warriors, living natural forces gifted to the elves in a time long past. Since the day that those warriors were seized by a higher power and scattered to the winds, the elves had been duty-bound to seek out and return them to the pages of the fabled Whatnut Book. Whatnot Book. Whatnot Book. Whatnut. Whatnut. Whatnut Book. The Whatnut Book. The Whatnot Book. 
Salon was even more determined than most since he had inherited the element of power, which granted its wielder the ability to take on the forms of the elemental warriors themselves. Are you following along, Dustin? Oh, I'm following along all right. No way. That's he, he had the elemental warriors themselves? Yeah. All right. So in time, Salon returned to his kingdom in triumph where he discovered Thorn's actions and used the power of the warriors to vanquish the Troll King, sending his treacherous race into exile. Sadly, that day would bring curses and blessings in equal measure as King Solon also vanished in the wake of battle. His fate would be anxiously disputed for years, much like Cameo's DKU status, but nobody <laughs> could ever say for sure what had happened. History moved on, and Solon's wife, Thena, was left to rule the kingdom with what remained of her family. At least there was peace once more in the tribal lands, and while some said that Thorn had not been killed, merely somehow confined... These doubts were not enough to keep folk from falling back into the simple pleasures of everyday life. Eventually, attention turned to Cameo and Callus, blossoming daughters, ew, of the elfin royal family. <laughs> All in the kingdom knew that when they reached adulthood, one of these two princesses would claim the throne, the kingdom itself, and the element of power, that which once commanded the elemental warriors, and tame the most infamous troll of all. Surely such things could only bring joy. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's, 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 a, that's a lot to pack in there, Dustin. And, and I was just That thinking, is, oh, that's a whole backstory, a whole history. That's a complicated backstory. Like, that's, that's full-on fantasy gobbledygook. That's, that, <laughs> I mean, that, that's not as, like, in-depth and confusing as Tolkien's Similarian or anything, but holy God, like, calm down. It's a lot to cram into two uh, instruction manual pages. Yeah, and I'm terrible at retaining stuff like that. Like, I need to see it play out naturally, but uh, right. w when you're just going on about tribal lands and, and uh, you, you, you like, oh, long ago and there was this magic and now there's not and where did this person go? And I'm just, oh, come on. <laughs> Get to it already. But yeah, I mean, it, it takes place in a traditional, like, fantasy realm. Like, like not of Earth, like maybe a pocket dimension or, or a time of a distant past on Earth that no longer resembles any recorded history of, of our own. So it make, makes character appearances hard. You wouldn't expect Bumper the Badger to, to show up and be like, I'm Bumper. I, I'm here to help out the battle. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's understandable. And that's the thing about the DKU and the concept of a shared universe. As much as we are game, if, uh, if George Andreas, who headed up Cameo's development, didn't want to do that then it's it's all well within his right to say nah i i don't want to you know shoehorn any connections to this i want cameo to stand on its own just because it's being made at rare doesn't mean it has to connect to anything right i get that i understand that but the thing is it's more fun for us when it does <laughs> yeah yeah i don't give a shit about anyone else no i mean and here's the thing uh, there have been many later references to cameo elements of power within a 
actual DKU games, like certified, without any doubt, DKU games. And Dustin, you and the Idaho crew have been playing quite a bit of Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts recently. Oh, we dabble. We dabble here and there every week. And there's uh, references to Cameo and Nuts and Bolts. But even before Nuts and Bolts, there was a reference to Cameo in the aforementioned Viva Pinata. That's right. That's so true. So within uh, Viva Pinata, and Viva Pinata, of course, heavily associated with what we call the banjo team, you know, um, a lot of references to Banjo-Kazooie and Grab by the Ghoulies, and you you do get references to other games within Rare, but, you know, it, it really does feel like a, a spiritual sibling to Banjo-Kazooie. And uh, so, so it's always wild to me when we get references to Rare games uh, outside of that sphere, and we do have we do have one item in Viva Pinata that references cameo. Ooh, and uh, those are cameo wings. I remember the cameo wings. I think I had a pinata that had cameo wings. Yeah. So let me read you the description of the cameo wings from Viva. Looking Pinata. forward to it. So th- this would be the first, as far as I'm aware, the first reference to cameo within the DKU. Assuming that cam- I think so. Assuming that cameo itself is not DKU, which we are still under right. that operating assumption. So cameo wings. Uh, it says nice looking elvish princess wings that provided cameo with a faster way of moving around. Great for not uh, ruining recently polished palace floors too. Love it, love it. I love everything about these wings. So, here we are. Uh, now, again, we have to clarify that references can't make something DKU, especially retroactively. But we do yeah. we do have a uh, little, little reference to Cameo, the character here, as if she were a real character within the world of Viva Pinata, and thus the DKU. Mm-hmm. So, just... just Put that in the back of your head. Uh, so I said Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts has a uh, has a reference to cameo. Did you actually experience this on your most recent stream? Um, I don't recall if we saw. I'm sure we saw it on one of our streams. We might have already done it. Okay, the uh, the the whatnot book that was mentioned in the story so far of cameo appears as an item. That needs to be retrieved during one of the the Jinjo fetch challenges, and was it, it the log box uh, seven twenty? I think so. That sounds right to me. Yeah. So, like the physical book actually shows up in in uh, nuts and bolts, which is even more of a tangible connection after the fact. Like, oh, this book from from Cameo actually has persevered and survived to the modern day, and. Granted, Showdown Town is kind of this nebulous realm in and of itself where, like, all video games sort of intersect. It's it's Mm. almost like a a hub world, a bleed between all video game realms, sort of like subspace is in Smash. Might even be in subspace if we're going to break down the cosmology of it all. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just interesting that that it, it, it has survived. You know, we... We talk about books in the DKU, and recently the one book from Ukulele showed up in Honey, I Joined a Cult, 
which uh, a little bit different there in that the one book is actually a character. The one book is a living being, which the whatnot is not, as far as I'm aware. Well, Ortho the Wizard is in the book. He's in it? Yeah, so Ortho the Wizard is a character who was trapped inside the whatnot book. Okay. So whenever, uh, he, he talks frequently throughout Cameo, but also whenever you, uh, pause the game, the whatnot book is that menu and, uh, Ortho will talk to you through the book. Right. But is he still, well, it doesn't even matter if he was still in it in nuts and bolts because that would still like not be a DKU character since Cameo. Right. Since it wasn't the debut. Right. right. But it's still interesting. Uh, yeah, it, it just having to parse uh, like when the book is the um, the living being or when a character is just trapped in it. Where where does the character begin and where does the physical object begin? That's that's the that's the question. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, sea of Thieves has references to cameo, not as much as Banjo Kazooie or even Conqueror or Killer Instinct or Perfect Dark or Battletoads. But it it does right. have a ship set in Sea of Thieves, which are called the Elemental Power um, ship set. And so you, you can have a whole ship decked out in honor of Cameo. And where this gets interesting is the item descriptions for for everything. So... For the elemental power cannons that you can equip on your ship, the description says, Booming like dragon fire, these cannons could blast even the trolls of legend to ash. For the capstan, it says, Keep your ship anchored fast and true. With the capstan, it seems to master the elements. So, so far, these are just paying homage, you know, just like loosely. Ah, yeah, cameo. Yeah. You know, just... just I remember cameo. Yeah, little... little, uh, Footloose and fancy free with the language here. So the hull description says, This beautiful hull cuts through the waves as if imbued with an elemental spirit of the deep blue. The wheel says, May this wheel always still steer you towards enchanted places and away from the Badlands. Ooh, implying that the, the Badlands are a physical place. Well... On that note, here is where it really gets interesting with the descriptions. The sails for the standard elemental power sails says, These sails hint at the myth of a flying princess who fought an evil troll. Is it only a fairy tale? Ooh. Mm -hmm. For the collector's elemental power sails, which are the same, but they glow a little bit. It says... uh, (laughs) Tales are told of an exotic royal family who lived in a beautiful realm, as vivid as these sails. Nice. Can I just say, just yeah. to interrupt real fast, this might be one of my favorite chip sets in Sea of Thieves. I, I just really enjoy how natural it looks. Uh-huh. Uh, the colors are very nice. I, I like how uh, things kind of look like plants. It's great. Yeah, it, it has a lot of nice bits to it. It's a shame that I settled that the Dreadfully Evil was going to look like a virtual boy. Because, <laughs> right. <laughs> because none of this really fits. But, you know, uh, I, I still really like it. So the Elemental Power figurehead, which is explicitly cameo, um, says, This proud figurehead depicts a princess from an old folk, folk story who wielded magical power. So Ooh. within these descriptions, you're getting, you know, 
hit over the head that this is an old fairy tale within the world of Rare, the shared universe of the DKU. It's a fairy tale. It's a folk story. Uh, but I did like the little little notations there, like, but could it be real? <laughs> so <laughs> You don't suppose. Well, the collector's elemental power figurehead, which, again, is cameo, but glowing more, says, a figurehead so striking, you could imagine it taking life as the shape-shifting heroine of legend. And That's true. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Finally, we have the flag. The flag that you can put at the top of the crow's nest says, inspired by the tale of a fearless heroine and the element of power. It's just a story, right? Right? I, I love the wiggle room there where, yeah, within within the context of the shared rare universe, cameo might just be a fairy tale. Or it might not. So we we have, of course, seen Cameo interact with other rare characters in IDARB. So obviously Cameo exists as more than just a legend, a, a fairy tale. She um she exists in some semblance in this grand multiverse. It's just a matter mm. of, you know, figuring out exactly how that pan pans out but i think that from what we can glean from the item descriptions and her appearance in idarb no cameo actually took place cameo actually happened and it it became a fairy tale but it it it, um it is it actually is history just history that kind of mutated over over the centuries perhaps and it's right. al- already an old fairy tale by the time of Sea of Thieves, which takes place uh, slightly after the Golden Age of Piracy. So, you know, it, it, it's already sort of in the distant past, which, again, would make physical character appearances hard, right? If we, we have something taking place in, that far in the past that it's already ancient history by the time of Sea of Thieves... Well, who's going to show up for that, right? Bumper, the time-traveling uh, being. Yeah. You, the ancient being. You, you have deities like Log, but Log wasn't even invented uh, until Nuts and Bolts. So, right. weirdly, Dustin, in doing research for this episode, I, I stumbled upon some interesting things. So, cameo elements of power almost got into the DKU, the same way it's Mr. Pants got into the DKU. So I don't I don't know if anybody is really aware of this. I wasn't aware of this um, until earlier today. I actually it, was aware of this. I remember this pretty clearly. Okay. Okay. Well, look at Dustin. Look at Dustin. He, he, Dustin knows all. Dustin sees all. Yeah, not all. to brag or anything. <laughs> you, you need to share your knowledge before... Your illness takes you from us. <laughs> jot it down. Pass it down throughout the ages. I'll jot down, yes. Uh, cameo DKU, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Generations from now, people will study it. What does it mean? What does any of this shit mean? <laughs> so if you study the trailer for Grab by the Ghoulies, the Xbox trailer for Grab by the Ghoulies, you will see uh, a brief snippet of the original GameCube era opening of Cameo 
playing on the screen in the cinema room. So, mm-hmm. you know, in Grab by the Ghoulies, when you're in the cinema, you will see like old timey footage of just skeleton chicanery on the screen. <laughs> and it, and Good it, word. It, it was always weird to me because it was just like, what is it? What, what is this on, on the screen? You would see, feel like they would have something a bit more thought out for right for the cinema and, and maybe you would have an easter egg there or something calling back or just something more f- a more fun set piece to look at other than just skeletons uh, being silly because you see skeletons being silly everywhere in grab by the ghoulies right a, a black and white skeleton silent film right so originally it appears in the trailer uh we we would see the GameCube era opening of Cameo, which if you don't know what that is, I, it's an unlockable in Cameo. You can see it in full, but it's uh, Cameo flying around the classic Rareware logo and like this, this grassy field. And we, 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 we can compare the Ghoulies trailer with the released original intro to Cameo to confirm they are one and the same. Now, had this been mm-hmm. retained in the cinema... It would have been Cameo's first appearance in any physical game. Ooh. Right. Um, now, yeah, obviously, like, Cameo did interact with other Rare characters in the Microsoft Buys Rare trailer. Remember, Conqueror, like, drools over her. He's like, oh. uh, But that doesn't count as a game or, or even a right. piece of canon media. That was just a, a fun little thing that n- was never included on any game disc. But this would have been Cameo's first physical appearance had it made it in. But... I would I would argue that owing to the fact that the rare logo changed with Grab by the Ghoulies release and the character of Cameo would also be going through several revisions around this time it was probably cut at the 11th hour it was probably a very yeah. last minute switch like well, let's get that out of there and what could we put in there oh I guess skeletons sure why not <laughs> why not we got plenty of them already and I know some of you out there are going to be like, hold on, that's not the same thing as Mr. Pants on Boggy's television in Banjo-Tooie. Because would that even be a physical appearance if she appears on old film? And, you know, the, the old debate about whether or not Mr. Pants on Boggy's TV was like a live broadcast. I, <laughs> I think that's a silly debate and it's one I'm not really warm to. I feel like... Yeah. <laughs> That's the silly part of it. Okay, but I fe- I feel like all that matters <laughs> is that Mr. Pants recorded image um that 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 conveys that he is a real character, a real person. Uh, that that's all that really right. matters. It doesn't need to be live for that to yeah. uh, come across. Um so like that that's never been part of my philosophy and now that i am you know dk vine editor-in-chief i'm just being like oh let's just uh, th- th- that that part is just uh excess roughage we can just lop that part off it doesn't matter if mr <laughs> pants dancing on boggy's tv was a live broadcast or not it was a broadcast and it was recorded footage of mr pants that was also backed up by the character credits when lee loveday got Mr. Pants as his assigned character. So Right. It was it was a physical appearance at one point. Yes. So I would argue then that courtesy could then be extended to Cameo in Ghoulhaven Hall. Sadly, 
it didn't make the cut. And I even looked, um, like doing research ahead of time, you know, even pondered, did it make it into the demo disc for Grab by the Ghoulies that was included with the official Xbox magazine? And no, the cinema was not part of that. So Uh, sadly, no trace of this exists in any semblance of release for Grab by the Ghoulies, because that would be a fun little argument to make, would it not? (laughs) Yes, Cameo. Her first appearance was official Xbox Magazine game disc, December 2003, disc number 25. (laughs) Who could forget? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But no, that that was not to be. Sadly, but we came so close. We came so close. Right, the episode would be over. Yeah, we'd be like, hey, hey, we have it. Whoops, we missed it back then. So, (laughs) what of DKU elements within Elements of Power itself? Powerful DKU elements within Elements of Power. Well, there are two. And um, let's let's get the most obvious one out of the way. The one I used to promote this episode on social media. Mm-hmm. The Mumbo Jumbo Pummel Weed. I fucking love Pummel Weed, Heil. He's, he's my boy. What's a Pummel Weed, Dustin? For those who aren't well-versed in Cameo, what, what, what is a Pummel Weed? You know what, Heil? I think I can... T- I, I think my throat's feeling a little better, and I could read this if you really want. Okay. I'll muster up the courage. So so is this this is from the instruction manual then? Right, yeah. Um, you know, instruction manuals back in the day sometimes had little uh, character bios. I really missed that. But uh, yeah. the one for Pummelweed says, A hot-headed boxer with a long reach and a short temper. Any troll still standing after a combo should watch out as Pummelweed rears up from the earth for the knockout blow. Pummelweed's a great design. Uh, like, that kind of stupid rare design that I love, it, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just so... Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good mix of being incredibly stupid, but cool at the same time. Like, this is a guy who will fuck you up. An angry-looking plant. That's basically what it is. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, Pummelweed is is one of the uh, elemental warriors that Cameo can morph into. Um, or, Or at least take on the... Harness the power of and sort of become... She doesn't physically mutate into these it, it's more like her aura becomes these things is that yeah the best it's hard to, to really say it, it kind of reminds me of uh animal buddy transformations in dkc two and three i think this just this recently came up somebody asked me on social media and not being an expert in cameo i actually took the question to chris alcock who of course friend of the show and and worked on cameo and yeah, I, I think he said it was it was wasn't like physically transforming into this hideous beast, but but more like yeah. harnessing their power and and sort of um, like I said, it's an aura, but a more tangible aura where you just kind of like they they form around you and you're sort of like or cameo. She's just sort of like uh, not inside, but um, consumed by their power. 
I, I don't know. Right. It's magic. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's just magic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pummelweed is one of the elemental warriors along with Rubble, uh, with Ash, not to be confused with the retiring protagonist of the Pokemon anime. Uh, Deep Blue, not to be confused with the protagonist of Pokemon Blue. Ma- <laughs> Major Ruin, which... Doesn't sound like an elemental warrior. It sounds like some sort of uh, character from Avatar. Not to be confused. A catastrophic event. Not to be confused with The Last Airbender, but of course the James Cameron (laughs) blue people thing. Not to be confused with Deep Blue. Not to be confused with the protagonist of Pokemon Blue. Of course. Not to be confused with Ash. Not to be confused with the elemental warrior. Not to be confused with Rubble. I'm I'm glad you said that. I was very confused. We also have 40 below... (laughs) <laughs> the uh the ice monster we have well we have snare another angry plant we have chilla who is a yeti which raises some questions if this were to be dku we have uh flex which is uh looks looks like a, a one of the sh- like monsters from grab by the ghoulies the the dropper monsters that like jump out and like give cooper a heart attack Right, they drop down and Cooper goes, whoa! Yeah, and you have to press buttons really fast or he strokes out. And then you've got <laughs> Thermite, which is is another fiery beast. Fun fun creatures. Th- these are probably my favorite part of Cameo. Yeah, they, they kind of, for me, they they always blurred together with the uh, the creatures from Saberwolf. Because, uh... I could see that. You, you just have a lot of overlap, a lot of concepts that just, like, are obviously shared, especially when you get into elemental powers, you know, there, there's only so much you can do there. So you, mm-hmm. you do kind of get, um, kind of shared sensibilities, and of course this is from the same studio from around the same time, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it was always a, a weird thing for me when I would see, like, artwork, one of these, and I wasn't well-versed in Saberwolf at the time, and I'd be like, is that Saberwolf or Cameo? I really don't know. That'd be a fun game show. Anyway, so those are the Elemental Warriors, and Pummelweed is the one in question here, because there is a mumbo-jumbo variant of Pummelweed that you you get through DLC. That's true, that's very true. This was actually a contest, I believe, that you, you could submit a design for for these skins and uh they they would pick the ones they like the best and this is uh one that was submitted by mark brown from off of the spriters resource so small world yeah we're just we're just bouncing around the interwebs today but we got uh (laughs) mark brown who in mark brown's pitch and this caused a bit of confusion a couple of years back because mark shared this on social media and shared the original pitch, and people thought the original pitch actually came from Rare, and it, they didn't realize that that was Mark's proposal. Mark's proposal called it Mumbo Weedo, and and it's basically Mumbo Jumbo's head on a a pink uh, pummelweed body, and uh, instead of fist, it's got uh, his his staff. Like, both ends of his staff are now his fist. So he's got, like, the little skull, whatever. So it looks like his his, uh, his arms are his wands. Or his right. wand, but it's, like, made double. 
So <laughs> in Mark's description, it said, It's Mumbo Jumbo, back from Banjo-Kazooie and ready to make some noise. He's used his magical powers to morph into one of Cameo's warriors. Will you use his combat abilities in battle? So people, yes. people, people saw this and they thought this came from Rare and they said, This explicitly says it's Mumbo Jumbo, back from Banjo-Kazooie and ready to make some noise. But this was never official. What they they did make mumbo jumbo uh a pummel weed. So yeah, Mark's proposal won, but um the way it's portrayed in game, it's not the way Mark suggested. It is merely Pummelweed adopting the image of Mumbo Jumbo, much in the same way that in say Super Mario Maker, you know, your your character can take on the appearance of Donkey or Diddy Kong, but they're still fundamentally Mario underneath. Right. And I think like this 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 was determined as soon as this was added to Cameo. This wasn't even a real big debate on DK Vine. This only came back once Mark shared his proposal on Twitter and and people mm-hmm. didn't remember the context for it. And then it became this question, well, why isn't Cameo DKU? It says it's Mumbo. No, it never officially said that. And in fact, uh, Cameo can look like Joanna Dark in this game as well. But Yeah, that doesn't mean this is a perfect Dark game. No, and it's very clearly just Cameo taking on the appearance of Joanna. So Right. Um, yeah, sadly, the, the Mumbo Jumbo Pummelweed, as much... As close as that gets to a physical character appearance, it is is nothing more than a costume. Uh, A very convincing magical costume, for sure, but not an actual appearance by Mumbo Jumbo, sadly. Man, we have so many of these instances that come so close, but just uh, don't go far enough. Yeah, yeah. So the other big debate about uh, Banjo-Kazooie and any connections it has with Cameo, within Cameo itself, happened on the DK Vine forum uh, back in the day. And it's related to the fact that if you enter the character Creeper's home, which you can you can blow up a boulder and, and enter the house and take, take a gander around and mess about with the cupboards and stuff... Uh, just, just <laughs> really, you know, do a solid B&E job on the joint. You can also turn on the radio. And, and why there is a radio in this fantasy realm, you got me. You'd think this technology shouldn't exist, but it does. They have radios, apparently. And you can turn on the radio. And what do you hear but the Banjo-Kazooie theme? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness gracious. So, I'm going to play this audio now. Uh, Now, keep in mind that this is audio from an in-game radio, so it's going to sound a little tinny. And I'm actually playing it. This this is uh, borrowed from Easter Egg Archive from off of YouTube. So, thank you for contributing this little audio that we're going to play right now. So, uh, thank you, EEA. Yeah. So remember, it's going to be a little tinny. You might have to perk up your ears just a bit to, uh, to hear it all, but I'll play, I'll play about a minute's worth of it. (sighs) 
So, for those who weren't sure, uh, I, again, I got that from Easter Egg Archive, and Easter Egg Archive couldn't stand still while that was playing, so they they <laughs> walked around as cameo and started smashing the fuck out of Creeper's house. So it's like I was really there. Yeah. So that's that's what all the weird grunting noises were and the smashing. It wasn't like anything sexual on my end. I, ju- I just want to be clear. Nothing sexual. It wasn't was anything happening. bathroom related. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin didn't need a jack in the box. <laughs> so. This was an argument on the DK Vine forum way back, like a decade and a half ago. Um, maybe even um, a little bit more contemporary than that. Somebody, uh, it was just it was it's been brought up once or twice that the banjo kazooie theme could possibly be a recording of banjo and kazooie, and maybe even Tootie and Mumbo, if you if you want to go that far, playing their instruments. And would that not count? The same way that Mr. Pants counts as a physical character appearance in Banjo-Tooie. In fact, Mr. Pants' first actual appearance as a real character. And, you know, I dismissed it at the time. I, I think the entire staff sort of dismissed it at the time. The problem was that it was absent any visual confirmation that it was indeed them. That that was indeed Banjo and Kazooie playing it. it. It was not just a recording of the Banjo Kazooie theme, and that was honestly my impression. Even when I started to break down this episode, I was like, "Yeah, we'll talk about the the radio thing. Yeah, we'll we'll get through it." But <laughs> I, I'm not really moved one way or another. Um, right. But you know, Dustin, when I was breaking down this episode, and I was going down this rabbit hole. Um, I realize that thoughts evolve over time, and sometimes, you know, we we get something, um, uh, let's call them building materials, a bit of concrete, and, you know, if we're going down the path and, and then we find building materials, we can then take those building materials back to an earlier part of the path that was at the time impassable and we can build a bridge and i don't know where this analogy is going i'm really lost in it but my point is that you know sometimes what becomes um, a a shut case can then become an open okay this analogy doesn't work either what i'm saying (laughs) is that over time what what is what is dismissible can later become permissible if evidence in a different game and a different context comes to light. And then you can reapply it back to the earlier thing and say, hey, actually, this later thing means this earlier thing is, in fact, a valid argument. And I I wasn't intending to go down this route. Now, the, the, I, don't, I don't know. Um... I, I was honestly a little bit surprised I got here, but so <laughs> now we very recently dealt with this whole concept, this whole notion of recorded audio performances of characters. Right. And I, I, you probably remember Dustin. I'm sure a lot of our listeners remember, but this came up. Oh, I remember. This came up with ukulele uh, and its relation to the DK rap from Donkey Kong 64. 
So a brief summary here. Uh, the ukulele rap was, of course, in real life, co-performed by Chris Sutherland. Chris Sutherland, along with, ironically enough, Cameo's George Andreas. They were the DK rappers behind the DK rap. And they go, huh, you know. So, right. While up until ukulele's reveal and the long drip of information from that game, we had never really entertained or thought of the DK rappers as genuine characters before. The DK rap now has been referenced within the lore of Donkey Kong itself. Funky Kong mentions a version of it in Donkey Kong Country 2 for the Game Boy Advance. And of course, it's a song in Donkey Kong. So it exists in an in-universe context, as well as just being something silly that plays at the beginning of Donkey Kong 64 and later in Smash Brothers stages. So when Platonic... um, announced that they were doing their own sequel to the DK rap, the ukulele rap, and they announced it would be performed by Chris Sutherland, this time with Grant Kirkhope. We thought, well, hey, wait a minute. If the DK rappers were real characters, and we know the DK rap is a real thing within the DKU itself, and that would make the DK rap a real music video that the DK crew arguably recorded after the events of Donkey Kong 64. Well, right. wouldn't that make Ukulele a Donkey Kong spinoff if the Ukulele rap is included in Ukulele? Oh my goodness. Yeah, so eventually it was all for nothing at the time because the Ukulele rap was not included in the game, either the base game <laughs> or... or uh, any updates it was only released on youtube to our disappointment right now it didn't matter because royston was put in the game anyway steve males actually was the champion behind that one so thank you steve but the thank you the ukulele rap was then hidden in ukulele and the impossible layer uh the duo can listen to it on a radio you you hear like tuning um if you go underneath the batship crazy, underneath the like the the plank underneath the uh, batship crazy, and you stand there and you just like don't touch anything, you'll hear them tuning the radio, and then you'll hear them listening to the ukulele rap. So that's crazy. I had no idea yeah, about yeah, that. It, it's it's a little fun Easter egg in ukulele in a possible lair. And this was a learning episode. Therefore, that means that uh, Chris Sutherland's DK rapper, uh, who, you know, I, I guess he split from George Andres' DK rapper, whoever these characters are within the context of the DKU, um, they, uh, they, they, they broke up and Chris Sutherland's DK rapper got a new rapping partner. In uh, Grant Kirkhope's DK or ukulele rapper now, I guess. But anyway, so that does count as a physical appearance, albeit oral, of uh, Chris Sutherland's DK rapper. And weirdly, if you go down this rabbit hole, it means that Chris Sutherland's DK rapper is a Donkey Kong character that Platonic owns, not Nintendo. <laughs> This is crazy. This is this is like absolute insanity. But it's my it's one of my favorite things about DK Vine. 
Yeah. Uh, just finding these little uh, crazy nuggets. Yeah. So, you know, along the same lines of the DK rap, the DK rap was basically just sort of homaging Banjo-Kazooie's own intro. Banjo-Kazooie also starts with this little musical performance. It's a hoedown between Banjo-Kazooie, Tootie, and Mumbo. And mm-hmm. the version that plays in Cameo is a different version of the song. This this one, I believe, was done for the Nuts and Bolts trailer, the, the Banjo is Back right. uh, trailer. And this was mm-hmm. put in it as an Easter egg before uh, the, the Banjo-Kazooie, Nuts and Bolts trailer even debuted uh that later uh in 2006 i think at uh e3 um or or slightly before e3 whenever it debuted this was put in cameo as like a little like aha you know see if you can find it and the question then becomes well if we follow the dk rapper ukulele rapper train of thought how do we know that this isn't at the very least banjo or Kazooie, or both, or multiple characters performing this song that just happened to mm. be on the radio. Like, we we know Mumbo Jumbo's appearance made its way into Cameo. And yes, Cameo takes place in a fairy tale realm, which, you know, even in the context of Sea of Thieves, seems to have been in the distant past. But if it's in a different realm, if it is you know, outside of the confines of our universe, maybe time works differently there. Maybe it it it, it doesn't necessarily flow the same way in accordance with our world. So maybe, you know, this is a, a magic radio or or maybe all of the surrounding <laughs> magic is is picking up a transmission from another world. Maybe Mumbo's very presence in the hoedown would suggest that, you know, his magic is somehow inadvertently transmitting it into this different realm. And and that's the mumbo connection. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm just spitballing there, but we, we don't really have any evidence that it's actually banjo, right? Well, maybe we should listen mm-hmm. to it one more time. Oh. So I want I want you to 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 perk up your ears and and just uh just put those feet up. Listen to right after it kicks in, right before Cameo herself sighs in this audio clip. She'll sigh very loudly, and that comes right after the part I want you to listen to. Let's play it one more time. Did you hear it? Oh, I heard it all right. That's unmistakably Banjo saying... Oh my goodness. So, Dustin, I walked into this episode, literally, like, I know a lot of people think we probably play in these Tribunal episodes. It's like, oh, well, DK Vine has decided that it's DKU for some reason, and they're going through this whole song and dance to justify it. I went into this episode thinking, well, there's nothing to say it's DKU, but I, you know, I, I... made a decision from the outset of this season that we were going to give it another hearing. And I was like, nothing's come up. Nothing to to sway me ha- has really presented itself. So this will be the one out of the three episodes we do this season where we say, oh, you know, unfortunately close, but it just didn't make it. Cameo is not DKU. 
Right. I was thinking the same. I was thinking we're going to go in. Cameo's not going to be DKU. There just isn't enough there. And that's that. And when we, you know, when, when I pitched this to you, I even said like, look, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be DKU. There's nothing that's really come up, but we're going to do it anyway. We'll have fun. It'll be fun talking about Cameo for a change. There, there's a, there, there's an infamous tweet by, uh, noted professional wrestler and casual racist Hulk Hogan that um, <laughs> really sums up the way I feel right now. So, Dustin, if you don't know the parlance of professional wrestling, um, professional wrestling has uh, terms like um, work. So, so right. when, when you work in professional wrestling, you're working the crowd. You're you're. Basically, get, you want to work them up. Well, no, no, get them no, excited. No, no, no. It, it means like oh. you are, you are convincing them, um, uh, uh, like what you're presenting is real. You're, you're basically okay. Like when you're, you're, you're going out and you're pretending you're fighting each other and that you're pretend animosity. That is a work. You're working the crowd, basically conning okay. them into thinking what they're seeing is real. Now, a you're sh- selling it to them. A shoot is when things actually get real in professional wrestling and real behind-the-scenes animosities break through and people say things they're not supposed to. Uh, and that, that's called a shoot. Like, oh, we're shooting now. It's a shoot fight. We're actually laying hands on each other. See, what what came to mind first was I thought it's just someone going, ah, shoot. <laughs> so... Uh, apropos of nothing, uh, like, after midnight... On uh, the morning of October 16th, 2011, Hulk Hogan tweeted, Good night, Hulkamaniacs and jabroni marks without a life that don't know it'll work when you work a work and work yourself into a shoot, marks. Wow, it's powerful words. Poetic. But I feel called out a little bit uh, after the fact some 11 years later here, because I feel like I've worked myself into a shoot here, brother, because I went into this episode thinking, no, there's there's nothing to suggest that Cameo is DKU. And the same arguments that we had back on the DK Vine forum when this whole radio thing came up, there's still going to be the same arguments, right? Maybe that would have been the case 2015 when rare replay launched maybe that would have been the case in 2017 when ukulele launched but 2019 ukulele and impossible layer gave us the dk rapper in impossible layer and of course that doesn't make it dku because it was already dku right but that is undeniably an appearance by chris sutherland's DK rapper and all we got was the audio of him rapping about ukulele right oh my goodness I, my little eyes are are the size of dinner plates here with this realization so if this was just the the E3 or the banjo is back rendition of the song by Grant Kirkhope, the banjo kazooie theme I would say you know it's not enough to suggest that it's it's banjo or kazooie performing this at least with the dk rap and the ukulele rap we have the lyrics right we we have right. we have those sick rhymes and yeah that's true but 
we 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 heard banjo say gaha that's true the gaha is there if this is a recording it's very much banjo at at least banjo behind it being picked up by this radio in another realm dustin i think cameo is dku uh, it's it's right there in black and white i i went in expecting inconclusive evidence but it's it's clear as day all right then well there you have it. I, 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 I guess we're going i mean do it do, do we do we make the declaration i mean do you have any uh do you, do you have any objections to this i've always been a cameo stan uh i've always enjoyed cameo and i would love for it to be part of this uh big family all of the circumstantial evidence, all, all of the, like, besides the fact things, like the Sea of Thieves item descriptions, the the appearance of the Whatnot book in Nuts and Bolts, the cameo wings in Viva Pinata, they alone couldn't make a DKU. But they really helped booster Bowie, the case for cameo, all based on this one lone goddamned gaha. <laughs> on the Creepers radio. Banjo just single-handedly made a whole game DKU. I- I'm going to say it. Cameo Elements of Power is DKU. Oh my god. I w- I, even when we started this episode, I wasn't sure. And and talking, it, talking it through with Dustin, my sick dear friend Dustin... I feel like I feel like it's a make-a-wish. Like I feel like I'm visiting a sick child, and their one wish is to make cameo DKU. And how could I? Please make cameo DKU. <coughs> it would mean ever so much. Well, how could I say no to you, little boy? Cameo elements of power. This has been a File 2 production. Terrico.